Hi, I'm Shane Ray. Welcome to Central Indiana Today. This week, we've got a great show for you. Why? Because we have a returning guest with Jenna Himes of the Carmel Symphony Orchestra. And she's talking about the Masterworks program. And we'll also get into the holiday program that the orchestra is having. We're also going to be talking with Avon Deputy Police Chief Brian Nugent about Xander's Memorial going on in Avon. And that will be our nonprofit spotlight, and that is underwritten by the Republican newspaper. And we're going to replay an interview that I did with Linda Teeny of the Daughters of American Revolution, and we're going to recap what Constitution Week was all about in September. So you stay right where you are, because we're not going anywhere. You're listening to Central Indiana Today on 98.9 FM and WYRZ.org. Central Indiana Today. Shane Ray talks with the newsmakers in and around Hendricks County. And now your host, Shane Ray. Well, I uh, have been telling you about him. He's finally here in the studio, or actually on the phone with me. I'm in the studio. He's on the phone. It's uh, our good friend Brian Nugent of the Avon Police Department. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, Shane. I appreciate you having me on, man. I really do. Well, glad to do it. Uh, you know, we didn't get to talk, uh, while I've got you here, we didn't get to talk about the night out against crime that was in August. Were you pleased with how everything went? We really were. You know, we we were really fortunate to have a, a, a tremendous turnout. Uh, you know, we try to be a little conservative on our estimates, but uh, I think in general we thought we had uh, nearly about 5,000 people there. So we had good weather, and uh, I think that was a good indication that it was successful the more people that came out. So we're pretty darn happy with that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> now, the reason that uh, you're calling to, or that we're talking today is we're going to talk about something that uh, is close to everybody here. Yeah. Uh, back earlier this year, of course, um, uh, the tragedy that happened at the FedEx uh, facility uh, just outside of Plainfield. Yeah. Uh, one of the uh, men who were, um, how do I phrase this, Brian? Uh, uh one of the victims from the incident. Thank you. Yes, because uh, I try to be cautious about things I say and uh, and yeah. and not insensitive. But um, one of the victims was uh, a man named Matt Alexander, and uh, his family has uh, put together a memorial event. And uh, I understand you're kind of involved in that. We are. You know, when uh, when tragedy happens it uh, as difficult as it is for all involved it's uh, certainly an opportunity to serve and uh, when I first heard about what had taken place you know I wanted to ask myself you know what role could we fulfill uh, for our community or for our family and so uh, we found a couple of connections with a couple of the victims uh, that were involved um, I was not familiar with the Alexander family um, in any component uh, any experience or any sort of encounter in the past um, but uh, you know, knowing that he was an Avon High School graduate, uh, he was a baseball player. He was a big St. Louis Cardinals fan, and uh, so am I. Uh, don't hold that against me. But um, <laughs> we had found a lot in common, and so we, uh, over the last couple of months, we reached out, uh, communicated with the family. Uh, we actually had the family uh, at our National Night Out Against Crime event in the first week of August as well. 
they started passing out information uh, about this uh, memorial softball baseball tournament coming up. And so uh, they've asked us to be a part of that, and uh, we're happy to, to make it as, as good of an event as we possibly can. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we want to re- let everyone know a little bit more about this. Um, and I'm reading from the brochure to the folks at home. That it's to honor Matt's uh, legacy, Matt Alexander. He was also known as Xander uh, to his friends and uh, folks that he played sports with. A $1,600 scholarship is being awarded annually to an Avon High School graduating senior who plays varsity baseball and uh, will be furthering his education. All proceeds from this uh, Xander's Memorial Tournament will be donated to the scholarship fund. Now, this is going to be on Friday, October 22nd. It's called Xander's Community Night Out from 4 to 9 p.m. at the AJAA Fields. And um, there's going to be food, fun, inflatables, home run derby, first responders tournament, uh, tournament T-shirts, and window clings available for purchase. And now, are we going to see you out there? You'll probably see me out there. And I don't know exactly what I'll be doing, but if uh, if history has any way of repeating itself, uh, I'll probably be out there running around like a crazy man. Um, I mean, we're happy to be out there with some of our our vendors and sponsors. Be actually out there spending some time making popcorn, probably making cotton candy. Uh, I know we've been working with a few people uh, to get a dunk booth put together. Um, so yeah, I'll be out there. It'll be a it'll be a fun time and and uh, looking forward to seeing how many people from our community can come out and, and just show their support for the family that day. Now, what are the chances we're going to see you on that dunk board? Uh, probably less than zero. <laughs> that would probably be the, the percentage I would be betting if I was anybody. Uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's just not a good look for me. So I'll, yeah. I'll kind of be the behind-the-scenes guy, kind of like I am at Night Out Against Crime, and and uh, just try to be as supportive as I can. <laughs> yeah, okay. Now, um, uh, the family has told us that uh, they really would like to make this, um, a lot of the focus be on baseball as well as uh, softball. Yeah. Um, they're really looking for, uh, well, among others, uh, other uh, uh, players, girls 16 and under for fast pitch softball. That's uh, what the family told me. And they're really wanting to push double um, A uh, level baseball out there and uh like like we said this will be on saturday october 23rd and sunday october 24th uh for um these players now they here's the situation for the folks at home that they've run up against they had lots of people say yeah we want to do it but they're not following through on going to the website and sign up they say you've got to get out there and get yourself signed up so you want to go to www.ajaaonline.org and um, get in there and you'll get your t-shirts as well it includes 12 t-shirts uh, for your team entry fee it's three hundred dollars it's also going to be a silent auction uh, online bidding only, and um, maybe even an autograph from Brian Nugent. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> I don't know what the going rate on something like that would be. It'd probably be south of five or six bucks. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they've uh, the family's got a lot of items collected right now for their auction. Uh, uh, my understanding is they have a couple an item or two signed from Matt Painter. Uh, obviously, uh, a very famous uh, name here if, if you're a Purdue fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, looks like they have a couple items on their way from a couple of the big sports organizations here in Indianapolis. Um, you know, a lot of good items coming in, and we're looking forward to that being 
a pretty successful component of their fundraising. Yeah, exactly. And now, folks, um, this uh, online bidding starts at 8 a.m. on Monday, October 18th, and there'll be lots of items on uh, display, they say. Um, check it out. You can bid there. And once again, you can do all of this at ajaaonline.org. And, uh, it, of course, we have information if you need to get in touch with the family about that. Uh, you can contact us here at the radio station, 317-852-1610. And then uh, if you uh, are, have a question for Brian or anything, uh, anybody on the committee that's putting this together, uh, they'll be glad to talk to you, won't you? Absolutely. You know, we appreciate all of the support. We appreciate all of the, the families and vendors and sponsors and, and everyone that's provided items for the silent auction. And it's a, it's a lot of work, uh, but we're working very closely with AJAA and the uh, individuals that are running the RBI fields here in town now as well. And we're just excited. We're looking forward to a good weekend and celebrating Matt's life and, and putting everything into a good cause. Yeah, exactly. All right, Brian, thanks for being our guest today. Thank you, Shane. Appreciate you having me. That is our Nonprofit Spotlight. And as I said before, the Nonprofit Spotlight is underwritten by the Republican newspaper. We'll be right back with our interview with Linda Teeny. Finding out what your town council, school board, or county commissioners are up to can be accomplished with the Republican newspaper in Danville. Started in 1847, they've been providing local news, sports, features, and more. Subscribing to the paper is possible by calling 317-745-2777, and they can be followed on Facebook by searching for The Republican. Our next interview came earlier in September during Constitution Week. And very interesting information there. And her name is Linda Teeny. How is Linda today? Hey, I am fine today. It's a beautiful day. Yes, exactly. I'll never, you know, it could be pouring down rain. I'm just going to say it's a beautiful day. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, what, uh, well, the whole subject of uh, why you're here, which is Constitution Week. It goes from September 17th through the 23rd, right? Right. It sure does. No. Yeah. Uh, I'm with the uh, Daughters American Revolution. I'm an honorary chapter regent and, of course, the Constitution Week chair for the Wapakiwe chapter in Hendricks County. And so we're so going to be celebrating Constitution Week from September 17th through the 23rd. Now, let's explain to everyone what exactly is the Daughters of the American Revolution. Well, the Daughters of the American Revolution is a nonprofit service organization that promotes education, historical preservation, and of course, patriotism. And any woman, 18 or older, who can prove lineage to a Revolutionary War patriot may join. So we do a lot of projects, activities, and a lot of people may have seen the banners that are flying around uh, in different towns in Hendricks County. That's one of our promotion of patriotism. Now, uh, let's talk about, of course, you and I, we uh, discussed this uh, earlier in the year, and um, you said you wanted to uh, discuss uh, Constitution Week, 
And um, let's talk a little bit about that right now. Um, where does Constitution Week actually have, um, I mean, calling it Constitution Week, do you know where uh, it actually has its beginnings or um, how the Daughters of American Revolution are involved? Yeah, I sure can, because the uh, Constitution Week was initiated by the Daughters of American Revolution uh, in 1955. Uh, the daughters sent a resolution to the Senate, and um, then after that, the um, president at the time was Eisenhower, and so President Eisenhower then signed uh, the what I call the um, public law, and it was uh, signed on at four o'clock on September 17th to declare the 17th through the 23rd of September as Constitution Week. And another thing, the president guarantees the issuing of a proclamation each year. So they do that and they decide that it's September 17th through 23rd as Constitution Week. So it's something even our U.S. president signs in, you know, proclamation. Right. And now there's something special that happens at 4 p.m. on the 17th, right? Yeah, that's called um, Bells Across America. Um, We are kind of encouraging churches, schools, individuals, anybody to ring bells at 4 p.m. on September 17th, which is this Friday. And that's to celebrate the Constitution. And that time and date just happened to be the time that it was signed into public law. And uh, the, the hope is that everyone will, um, uh, will ring the bell at 4 p.m. on the 17th and yes. uh, make, well, just make one loud bell all across the nation, right? Yeah, the whole nation. Yeah, this is uh, national, so they wanted to do that. So, yeah, huh. individuals can find bell ringing on their phone, you know, so it's, that would be a good thing to do, you know, individually. And then, of course, churches and schools, we want them to be involved, too, and ring their bells. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, here at the radio station, we play the bell at the top of every hour. So we'll do it at 4 o'clock, as oh, usual. 4 o'clock, good. <laughs> All right. Now, if folks want more information about the Daughters of the American Revolution, what can they do? If they want uh, more information, they can contact the regent, and that would be um, wpkwregent at yahoo.com. And then our website is wapikiway.wexsite.com slash wapikiway. Okay. And all the information's there. They can click on the register and contact them. They can click on the regent and contact them. And uh, pretty well shows you uh, everything that we do throughout the year. It's always, you know, renewed and stuff. So, uh, and they're welcome to come to a chapter meeting, but they would have to contact the regent to get the place and the time, even before they join, to see what it's like. So, okay, all right. We're always encouraging new new members. And uh, we do want to thank the Daughters of the American Revolution and specifically Linda Teeny for doing that. Well, thank you. I'm glad to do it. Thanks for being my guest today. Okay, it was a pleasure. 
And our next guest is our good friend Jenna Himes of the Carmel Symphony Orchestra. Well, like I've been telling you, here she is. It's our good friend Jenna Himes. She is the artistic director of Carmel Symphony Orchestra. Something big coming up. Actually, several things. And we're going to be talking about some of those things in just a bit. But um, uh, uh, first, we'll see how Jenna is. How are you? I'm doing great. And first of all, I just want to thank you so much for having me back on your show. I, I really love talking with you. Well, that's good. That's how we feel. We are so happy to be talking to you. And, uh, of course, personally, you and I have a lot in common with our love of music and all kinds of music. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, obviously, with uh, the symphony, you can't go wrong no matter whether it's Carmel Symphony or uh, no matter what town the listener may be in. We always encourage them, explore all kinds of music. That's my opinion. I agree. You know, and also the orchestra, I mean, in this day and age, orchestras play every realm of music we play all styles of music and what's so great about an orchestra is that it's usually a lot of players so the sound is you know you get enveloped in this enormous sound of of the orchestra and there's nothing more exciting than that well it's funny you should mention that i was going to ask you later but since you brought it up i'm going to ask your opinion on something and then we'll get into what's going on specifically with the carmel symphony orchestra we did uh at least on my show on the drive home show i did a story about a week ago i think um have you heard about uh this uh, what's been going on with violinist nigel kennedy I know who I know his name, um, but I, I haven't heard the recent news. Okay, of course this is over in England. Um, he pulled out of a concert at the Royal Albert Hall with only days to go, and I'm reading directly from the article here. Uh, after accusing radio station Classic FM of preventing him from performing a Jimi Hendrix tribute. They said it doesn't fit our audience. They wanted him to play Vivaldi's Four Seasons. They said that's just not suitable for the station's desired audience. And uh, Kennedy replied back with, this is musical segregation. And um, he goes into uh, a little statement that says, um, my whole career has been around breaking down barriers. Hendrix is just as important as Stravinsky or Duke Ellington and said even before he died, Jimi Hendrix was talking about taking his music into a more symphonic area. I feel such an affinity with his music, unquote. You have an opinion on that? Oh, I sure do. Um, I think that he's at the level uh, in his career and the the gigs that he gets and the, the places he plays that he could pull out, and I applaud him. Um, I love classic FM. Um, I'm, you know... I, I didn't hear the recent story. I've been traveling and working on my own, myself a lot lately, and sometimes I get a little behind with the news. This is the thing. We just went through, from an artistic point of view, the worst year of people living lives. Uh, COVID was horrible. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not like it goes away, and it's not like you forget what it was like. I mean, hopefully, you know, it goes away, but <laughs> it will always be with us that we lived through a pandemic year, which was, for artists, absolutely horrendous and other people as well i'm just talking about what i know and what i am i'm not i'm not excluding anyone from this this statement we we feel so strongly as artists that we want to bring people into our realm our our arena if you will to explore to listen to engage and to basically enjoy what it is that we've worked our whole lives on 
performing and perfecting to our greatest ability. So, I mean, Jimi Hendrix was one of the greatest musicians, you know, of, of our of our era. And so Agreed. it's it's unbelievably, whether you like his music or not, it doesn't matter. You might not like Duke Ellington and you might not like Stravinsky, right. but you have to know that they were great. You might not like the Beatles. I mean, we, you know, but but you have to know that there's greatness there. Yeah. You don't have to come to the concert and you don't have to buy the CDs and or stream or, or download or whatever, but you have to recognize greatness. Um, and, you know, I feel like I am much more open, actually, and I'm a really open person. I, I don't really discriminate at all. Um, but I feel like with COVID that I am more than ever listening to people's story and taking the time to really hear what people are saying and have to uh, want to say to me because I, I, I I'm, I'm really busy, but a lot of people want to talk to me. And I'm not talking about you. I mean, this is obviously a different platform. But you know, if I if I go to the store, hey Janet, what's happening? What are you conducting? What's going? On? You know, and I take the time to talk to people because they they're really interested. And why, you know, I used to sometimes be like, hey, I'm in a rush, I'll catch you next time. I don't do that anymore. Yeah. I mean, with COVID, I have stepped back and I have realized I'm a regular person, they're a regular person, and they're curious, and they want to know, and they want to learn. To say to him that he cannot play that music is ridiculous. It would be one thing if, the, if he said, look, you know, there's a lot of bad language, I know there are going to be kids there, but there's a lot of curse words, but I'm going to do it anyway. You know, that's kind of crossing the line. Sure. But not what he was going to do. And he was going to do it brilliantly. He's amazing. I mean, I know his name and I know his recordings. I haven't worked with him. And I haven't seen him live, but heard him live. But so I applaud him. And, and you know what a great thing to be able to say that I'm that I'm not going to do this because my 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 take on this is to be to break down the barriers and to bring people in and and you know one of the things I try to do when I program and of course he does is to have an array of music a mix of music and it's really important because not everyone's going to love everything you know you can't just do only Beethoven and we're learning as orchestras are, are going through. You know, a new century here. We're learning that you know the music of the seventeen hundreds and eighteen hundreds. It's losing its relevance. I mean, unless there are people that are um, you know studying this, and of course, in the conservatories they are. Um, but there are a lot of people that aren't sitting at home listening to Mozart and Haydn, and it is our duty to keep that music going as long as we can, which will be forever. But, you know, the audiences are shrinking in that area, but they want to see, you know, but they'll, they'll definitely come to hear the orchestra play, you know, uh, um, uh, an ABBA concert or, you know, the music of the Eagles or something because they know that music. Right. So it's our job to be able to keep it relevant, keep it important, music of the 1700s and 1800s, but also to play music that people are familiar with. And that happens to be the music that we're talking about, that Classic FM said no. So it's a very interesting story. I'm so glad you told me about it. But I think I, I, I think he did the right thing. And, but he's also able to do that. Not everyone would be able. That's true. All right. Well, that's what I figured you would say, but I wanted to get your opinion. So uh, <laughs> let's move on. Uh, we're talking about specifically right now the Masterworks One presentation with the Carmel Symphony Orchestra. Tell us what that's all about. Well, I'm very excited about this. So this was all programmed last year. This was towards uh, probably around February and March when I started programming this season. We held off um, a couple more months to, until we knew that the hall would be open, um, to, you know, in the way that it is now, which we were hoping. Um, so I put on a concert that I thought would be very well received and audiences would have no hesitation coming. 
so we open with the Rachmaninoff Second Piano Concerto, which everybody knows and loves. And even if they don't know it by the title, they'll know it when they're sitting there. It's, it's lush. It's romantic. It's beautiful. It's been, you know, used in commercials and films and, you know, probably one of the most famous concertos ever written. Sure. And Orion Weiss is our, our pianist. Our, um, we had a, another pianist from Germany um, who I've never worked with, but she was highly recommended, but she had some health issues, and she called me about a month ago. And Orion's been on my list for years, so I'm so excited to work with him. And um, then we have intermission, and then we're playing Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Again, a piece that, you know, obviously very popular, and people will know. And we just wanted it to be a, a kind of a welcome back and have the whole orchestra on stage playing music that is um, really rejoiceful and really, but very different. But, uh, you know, one is quite classical and deals with the, you know, fate and, and, and uh, it's, it's very um, stately. And then the other one is incredibly just, you get lost in this gorgeous melodies and sound and uh, it ebbs and flows and it just takes you right in. So it's, it's going to be a really, really wonderful program. That's excellent. Now, it's going to be taking place at the Palladium at the Center for the Performing Arts in Carmel. And it's uh, the official debut of Zachary Depew. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about him? Yeah, so Zach uh, comes t to us. Um, he came to our attention last year. Um, he was with the Indianapolis Symphony. Um, he plays in the Indianapolis String Quartet, and he subbed with us a couple of times, and then um, I thought he was wonderful, and so I, uh, he played the Four Seasons, which we were just talking about, mm -hmm. um, as a soloist with the orchestra, and then we knew that he was still living in Indiana, uh, Indianapolis, but was about to move, um, he, he plays all over the place, and, and we thought, well, gosh, you know, maybe he can come and be our concertmaster this year, uh, and maybe it will lead into to a long-term um, relationship. So he uh, is playing concertmaster with us. He's played quite a few concerts. He played the Beatles concert with us, and he's, he's a great team player, and we're, we're really enjoying working with him. That's great. Now, um, of course, as uh, the season comes, and you and I were talking uh, before we started the interview, that uh, the seasons come, uh, the outside events are dwindling down, and uh, the Center for Performing Arts, uh, of course, have asked that there be some uh, campus and health, uh, I'm sorry, campus health and safety policies and protocols going on. So we want to make sure everyone's aware of those before they, they go see the orchestra. Right. So, but I think you know what I think. I, all orchestras are. I mean, I'm sorry. All venues are taking some kind of precautions. So yeah. people should get their vaccines. If they're not getting their vaccines, um, they should come with a negative test. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting. Uh, I'll just tell you a short story, which which I'm, I'm pretty excited about. We asked our musicians to get vaccines, and we said that um, you know if they didn't get vaccines, that we would still hire them. But for every single service, you know, they have to come in with a negative test. Well, that, that's a lot of work for somebody. Mm -hmm. And so basically, um, several of our musicians went and got the vaccine because they were just sort of on the fence. They didn't really feel that it was, but they want to play. And we're, we're, we're very proud of that because we're going to have a 100% uh, vaccinated orchestra on stage. And I mm. think it, it sends a good message. Um, we've been very careful with COVID when we played last year. We were one of the few orchestras in the country to play last year. Um, but we followed all the guidelines. We did everything right. Uh, no one's been sick. Um, it's funny because I, I flew here last October, and I was sick for about a week. Uh, I did have a test; it was negative, but I, I still wasn't sure. And I and I did I did quarantine, um, and I luckily had enough days to quarantine before the first rehearsal. 
but I always wonder if that that was sort of a one of those false positives because I really felt crummy. But mm. in this, a, a, anyway, I, I did get the vaccine, and I, you know, I I uh, again I I, I kind of feel like it's a political question nowadays, and I don't mean to, it, for it to be, but I I just want people to to be healthy, and I want people to. Um, Take care of themselves and, and think about other people as well. You yeah, know, you can still get COVID with your vaccine. Yeah, um, but uh, from what I understand, it's it's you know you're less sick and it's it's just not not quite as bad. Yeah, and it's a very scary thing what we've all gone through. So let's you know let's let's band together and let's try to kick this thing. And um, there will be other strains, but hopefully there will be nothing like what we saw because you know a lot of people unfortunately died and um, it's very very sad. But you know, I, I also think that, you know, if people have pre-existing conditions, they should really, really think of themselves and their family and their loved ones and, and get that vaccine because their chances of being sicker are, are, are very valid. Um, we've seen that. So um, it's just so scary. The whole thing is just so scary. I, I, do you remember last March when we didn't really know what it was? Right. You know, and everybody was like, what is this? So. I feel that we have a better handle on it, but I still think we need to proceed with caution. Yeah, and I believe that's the the policy, uh, or that's uh, the intention of the Palladium when they they yeah. are asking everyone, you know, uh, if you're, and I'm going to read some of these for the folks at home, that uh, masks, masks are required for everyone age three and older, and uh, all patrons age 12 and up, uh, please show proof of your COVID-19 vaccination and there's a list of ways you can do that. There's also an alternative to the vaccination um, for that uh, requirement for patrons age 5 to 11, and you can get all of that information at www.thecenterpresents.org. We don't want anyone to go there and then get surprised, well, I didn't know I had to do that, so make sure everyone is aware of that. And um, uh, if you, uh, of course, didn't catch what I just said. Do you say, hey, what was that website? Give me a call here at the station. I'll fill you in. Uh, you have uh, some other things coming up. Um, now, you just finished, as you mentioned, the uh, classical mystery tour, which we talked about. Were you happy with the outcome of that? Yes. I, first of all, it happened to be one of the most beautiful evenings ever. And the night before it was really rainy. Um, so it was one of those days after a rainstorm when it was green and and. I use the word lush because I used it earlier, but it was really a lush. The the, the grass was perfect, you know, right. it was perfect, and they were wonderful. And we had uh, I think over fifteen hundred people there, and it was really a fun time. And there were tables for people that wanted to buy tables in the front so they could sit with their friends, and then other people sat on it, sort of like an amphitheater seating. Um, they sat there and they sat on the grass and they brought their picnics, and it was it was really dynamite. I mean, I. I it just went without a hitch. I was very thrilled with all the pre-setup and work and meetings. It all paid off. It was just wonderful, and I think it did not disappoint. And so we'd like to talk to them about some future um, collaborations because I think that was, a, that was a real winner. And then right after that, we played um, at Cedar Creek, uh, Cedar Creek Winery, um, and that was really fun. That's a new uh, place for us. We had never been there before, and that audience was amazing. It's a real mix of music, and I program that intentionally to be that way, so there's something on there for everybody. Yeah, that's a good way to go. <laughs> yeah. um, and, of course, we'll go over all these dates in just a bit, but uh, what we were talking about, Masterworks' uh, first presentation will be on October 9th, but you have another one, Masterworks 2, coming up on November 13th, right? Yes, and, you know, this concert has been programmed twice. 
I just haven't been able to do it because of COVID. So uh, we didn't do it last year because it, it, it includes a, huge, uh, a large orchestra. And we just didn't have large orchestra on the stage because of the, the six feet um, separation between each player. This, this concert features the music of Florence Price. Um, and Florence Price was a very important composer. She was the first African-American black uh, composer woman uh, I mean, obviously, to be a woman and played by a major orchestra, you know, at this during the, the, the time that she wrote this piece was amazing. Mm-hmm. But the fact that she was black was huge. And I've, I've performed this piece before, and it's very, um, you know, you can hear a little bit of gospel in it. You can hear a little bit of um, jazz in it. It's, it's kind of like there's Americana in it. It sounds a little bit sometimes like Copeland sometimes a little bit like Gershwin, and it's, uh, I think, really, really stunning. And I think people are going to, to really love this piece, and it will probably be their first time hearing it, um, because I don't think um, most people have, have heard any music by Florence Price, much less the, the symphony. Um, it was played by the Chicago Symphony. Um, it was first performed by, by them, and, you know, that, that was really huge, because you know, it just black women were not being played by major orchestras at this time. Sure. I believe it was in 19, around 19, in, in the early 1940s. I don't have the exact date. So, you know, I mean, when she performed, when they performed it, it, it was such a huge hit. And it put her on the map. And, you know, up, to, up until the time she started getting played by orchestras, she, she was very prolific and a lot of people didn't know her music. But... Um, I think now she's really coming into the forefront. Um, she she's just she's just amazing. Uh, I think that for it says here. I just looked it up. It says it was first performed in the Detroit Institute of Arts, but I know that the Chicago Symphony played it, and it was just a really really big deal. Um, and I I've performed it maybe two or three times before. In fact, I, I was on a uh, asked to be on a panel uh, about uh, Florence Price because I'm a really big fan, and I. I did this piece a long time ago, and I kind of got her on the radar with some of my colleagues. And so there are a certain group of musicians, uh, composer, uh, conductors that are uh, programming uh, her music because it's just so incredibly delightful. And I'm, I'm so excited uh, to be performing that piece. Um, and then the other thing, I know the orchestra's never played it either. The other thing that's, that's on that program um, is the Marquez Donzon Number no. 2. And I've done this piece a, a few times with the orchestra, too, different orchestras and it's a hard piece to play uh, because the rhythms are Mexican um, and it's really very traditional Mexican music and they have to get the, the rhythms right um, and it's it's not you know like pop music it, it's different it's it's very classically written but it's got very uh, uh, intricate rhythms and so that's but that's a great piece and then I put on two pieces that are just kind of audience rousing, wonderful pieces. The Ruslana Gumila Overture of Glinka, which is exciting and is a great opener. And then the Shostakovich Ballet Suite, which also has elements of kind of pop jazz almost. And I love all this music because it's kind of tied together in, in, a, in an interesting way of lighter music, but it's all classical mm-hmm. and, and written for orchestra. But there's an element of each one of these pieces which kind of makes you you swoon a little and make your toe tap a little bit, and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's not it's not so serious that you have to read the program notes to understand what's going on, and you're kind of confused because it's so heavy. It's not that, 
but it's also not fluff. Yeah. So really excited about this concert because I think all these pieces go together beautifully. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. A, a quote comes to mind. It was Neil Diamond, and this was uh, uh, one of his TV specials in the late 70s, but it has always stuck with me since I heard it when I was very young. And it, it, when I was younger, I didn't understand it, but now I'm getting it. And he said, when someone comes into one of my shows, I want them to have a reaction. And he said, I don't care. I mean, I want them to come away saying, I loved it, I hated it, whatever. He said, if you don't get an emotion, uh, I have failed, basically. I'm totally kind of paraphrasing, agree. but you agree? Totally agree. I mean, it, it would be like... You know, sometimes when you watch like a sports event, like you might watch a baseball game and it's really slow and it's like zero to zero and you're like in the eighth inning and you're thinking this is so boring. <laughs> that's not ever what we want it to be, right. and that's really not what the, not what they want it to be in baseball either. You know, but I mean, we always oh, we play from our hearts every single note, and we're working hard, and so we don't expect everyone to love absolutely everything that we do. That would be nice, but we want them to at least know that we're playing our best. And, of course, we want them to love what they hear. But we want them to feel something. Right. Music is so much emotion. And it does tell a story. And it does, um, you know, move people in different ways. Um, and it does, um, you know, it can make you sad. And it can make you think about other things. There's so many things it can do. But it should make you feel, always. Yeah. Um, you know, when I listen to pop music, you know, I try to listen to all kinds of music because I'm because of my job and I'm a musician sure. through. Um, so, you know, I'll put on like the top. And I, th I, I heard something today. I thought this sounds exactly like a song that was written five years ago. You know, like that doesn't move me as much. Sometimes if it's a really catchy tune, I love it because it's a catchy tune. Mm -hmm. But it's so it's so basic and it's so um, the same so much of it. And basic is okay. You know, the blues are basic, but, you know, when you think about some of the great blues players, boy, you know, they're really playing it in a way that moves you. So it's really how you, what you program and how you play it, um, I think that is, is important. You know, I could do a whole Beethoven festival in, in one day and just play all the Beethoven symphonies, and we're just playing them and we're just laying down the notes, but that's not going to move people necessarily. But if we play that same, you know, program, a whole Beethoven festival, a marathon, but we emoted and we really got into it, which would be hard to do in one day, it would be exciting and people would just feel something. Right. Uh, let's uh, move on to one more that we're going to talk about, even though there are lots of uh, things coming up in the hopper, as they say, uh, <laughs> even planned. But uh, another big one, as we are gearing up, especially in marketing, for the folks at home who don't know why we're doing this, um, when it comes to marketing, you got to start planning for the, the, uh, the holiday season, if you will, from uh, November till January. you got to start doing that early, so let's start talking about the holiday pops, which you have coming up on December 18th. Yeah, so this year we're working, this is my first time, some of the musicians have, have performed with him before, uh, John McLaughlin. Um, he is a local celeb and, and beyond. Um, he uh, is from this area. I believe he went to uh, Anderson University. Um, he has a lot of family in the area. He now lives, I believe, in Chicago, but he's coming to play with us. Um, and he, you know, people love him. Uh, he's on Spotify, he's on YouTube. He's got a really velvety voice. It's really beautiful. And we're playing some, uh, well, actually, uh, originals of his for the holiday season that have been arranged for orchestra and voice and piano. He plays piano. 
and I'm really looking forward to see because I've heard so many great things about working with him. Of course, his music is wonderful, but people just really, really like working with him. You know, you can hear a musician on the radio and think, oh, God, it would be so great to work with them. Mm. And then when you work with them, it's not so easy, and it's it's difficult, and it's not kind of what you thought when you heard the music. <laughs> but yeah. with him, it, I think it's, it is the case where he's just fantastic to work with. We, we had a wonderful Zoom call about a month ago, and he's just delightful. And, um, you know, has a big following. We're playing that, that concert this year at the Westfield High School, which was where the orchestra used to play. Um, before I came here, um, because we this year it was hard to get the dates that we wanted at the Palladium, but we're working on getting back to the Palladium in 2022. So, um, you know, that's our home, and that's where we want to play. And I know for John, he, he would like that too. So, but we uh, have rehearsed, and and I really like this the Westfield High School Auditorium. It suits our orchestra. It's beautiful, and they're wonderful to work with there. So it'll be nice to go home and be back there. And his brother teaches music there, and he has a steel drum band, and they're going to be joining us on the concert. So there's going to be some family elements on there, too, which will be really fun. Excellent. All right. Uh, I'm going to remind everyone, October 9th is um, the Masterworks uh, 1 presentation. Then on November 13th is the Masterworks 2 presentation. And then uh, Holiday Pops, Saturday, December 18th. Currently, tickets for all these events are available right now, correct? Absolutely, yep. You can go to our website, and then that'll direct you how to get Yeah, and uh, of course, always check out what the Carmel Symphony Orchestra is up to, because it is just uh, something different all the time. So uh, if folks want to stay up on the Carmel Symphony Orchestra, what do they need to do? Well, if they want to stay up, we have um, a newsletter uh, that they can sign up for. Uh, they can go to our website, carmelsymphony.org. Um, I'm doing a lot of interviews um, this week. Uh, they'll probably, no matter where they go, they're going to hear me talking, which I'm so sorry <laughs> if, if you don't like like hearing me talk. But, you know, I'm pretty emphatic about this, and I think, Shane, you and I are, are both, you know, such music lovers that we love talking about all, all this. But, yeah, um, you know, we, we're active. We're out in the community. If they can come out to Daniels on Sunday and come up and say hi we love that. I mean, it's an outdoor concert. The orchestra's right there. There's, you know, no gates. It's not like we're, we're, we're right there, real accessible. So <laughs> love to meet new people. I just um, was on a plane yesterday and met a new friend who sat next to me and told him, you know, I mean, I'd love to give him tickets for the symphony with, for his family. You know, it's, it's, we're, we're really, um, we're very community oriented and we really want people to know about us. And I'm so, sort of amazed when I meet people who don't know that there's a professional orchestra in Carmel because, <laughs> you know, we do it, you know, every single day, all day. And so we think that everybody knows about it. But it's shows like this that help us get the, the word out that, that we're here and we're playing for you. And we're playing such a, an eclectic mix of music that there will always be something for you. And tickets are reasonably priced. They're all different depending on where we play and, you know, the concert. But... They're reasonable, and, you know, if, if somebody's really, really having a hard time paying a ticket, you know, let us know, and, and we'll figure out a way to get you there because we want people there. And um, I think we, we are really cognizant of the community, what type of music the community wants, um, and, you know, with the classical staples that we play throughout the year, we're really very conscious of, you know, what to program. And, and where to play. And we're doing our best to get the word out 
about this great orchestra, and uh, we just take great pride in that. Yeah. All right. Of course, uh, if you missed any of that information, as I said earlier, you can give me a call here at the radio station, 317-852-1610. And if I don't know the answer, you know I'm going to get you in touch with Jenna, and she's going to help you out ASAP, right? That's it. Got it. All right. Artistic Director for Carmel Symphony Orchestra, Jenna Himes, has been our guest. Jenna, thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Shane. You've been listening to Central Indiana Today with your host, Shane Ray.